You are listening to the Faith Church Podcast. Learn more about our church at faithinchandler.com. In 1935, two associations of Free Will Baptist churches, the Free Will Baptists had been around for a very long time, but there were two associations in the United States, and they came together in 1935 to form one national association, one national partnership. And when they did that, they wrote some, some founding documents that would establish this partnership of Free Will Baptist churches that we belong to. And one of those most important documents is called the Church Covenant. But in the first lines of the Church Covenant, it says, Our rule for faith and practice will be the Word of God. So as they're writing these documents that will kind of form this partnership of churches, this denomination, this association that Free Will Baptists belong to, they say in the very beginning, these will help us understand who we are, but our, our rule for faith and practice is not these documents, it's scripture. So in 1978 and 79, 80, 81, 82, as this church here, Faith Church, is started in Newburgh as New Life Free Will Baptist Church and moves this direction and has a building and then eventually comes to this location and renames this Faith Free Will Baptist Church. From that very beginning, instilled in the DNA of this church was a desire to make God's Word our rule for faith and practice. That God's Word would dictate how we live. That God's Word would dictate how we operated as a church. That God's Word would be the substance of what we, we celebrate. It would be the substance of what we proclaim and teach. And so here at our church, we, we value God's Word highly. We see it as the substance of the Christian life. It shows us how we should live. It shows us how our hearts should operate. We believe that it's not only good advice but we believe that it sets us free, that it breaks down the brokenness in our hearts, that it restores the the canyons that form in our soul and in our emotions, that God's Word is the medicine that we desperately need. And so here at our church, we, we go from passage to passage looking to God's Word. And what I share on Sunday mornings better not be what Pastor Daniel has thought up this week, but rather what Pastor Daniel has found in God's Word from week to week. My job is not to present some creative thought or design. My job is not to come up with stories that entertain. My job is to expose what does God's Word say, because this is where the substance is. This is where the truth is. And whether today is your first of many times to join us or the first and only time that you join us, I hope that you'll walk away knowing some truth, knowing God's Word, because that is everlasting. His truth is eternal. And today we're going to start looking at another book in this book. You see, God's Word is a book of books. It's like a library, and it's not put in order of uh, of chronological events, but rather it's put into subject matter, just like the library you would go to. And in the New Testament, there are the the beginning Gospels that tell us the story of Jesus' life, and then there's the book of Acts that tells us how the church operated after Jesus left, and then there are books of doctrine like Romans and Corinthians, which are actually letters that Paul wrote, and one of the letters that Paul wrote is Galatians. And the book of Galatians is powerful. 
Now, Paul wrote this letter to a group of churches in southern Asia Minor, this rural, mountainous area where the terrain was steep and the villages were spread out and it wasn't full of large cities, but rather villages here and there with broad expanses in between. And on one of his first missionary journeys, he goes through this this area, this region, and proclaims the message of Jesus to them. And people come to know this truth. He goes on to start churches in other places. And he hears about struggles that are taking place back there in the region of Galatia and towns like Derby and Iconium. And he can't get back to them. He can't go there in person. And so since he can't be there in person, he writes a letter to them. And you know what? I'm glad that Paul wasn't able to be there in person. I'm glad that he wrote a letter instead because when he wrote that letter, God used it. God preserved it for us in His Word. And we have passages throughout this book like Galatians 2.3 that says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by being made the curse for us. Galatians 5, which says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that you will also reap. He goes on to say, so let us not be weary in well-doing, for we shall reap if we faint not. Let's continue doing good work because we will harvest good Verse 10 kind of sums it up. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men. And throughout the book of Galatians, there are these jewels, these precious truths that Paul is communicating to them. But before he can get to any of that, he needs to tackle a subject that everything else hinges on. Because after Paul has left the region of Galatia, there have been people who have come up and said, who is Paul really? I mean, how do we know that what Paul is saying is the truth? How do we know that that he has any credibility? How can we trust what he's saying? So he has to start off by making it clear that he does have credibility. He wants to give them his resume. But there's a problem. His resume also kind of reads like a rap sheet. And you know the difference between a resume and a rap sheet, right? The resume is the list of all of your accomplishments and achievements. A rap sheet is a list of all your failures and foolish decisions. But as Paul is giving them his resume, he is also including things about himself that don't put him in a great light. Look with me if you would. We're going to start reading in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. I certify you Brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. I didn't get it from man. I got it from God. For neither received it of any man, neither was taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted. Now he's talking to the church of God and he says, Now you've heard that in the past I persecuted the church. And profited in the Jews' religion above my many equals and in my own nation, being more exceeding zealous of traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, God who brought me into this world and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen, those that don't know God. 
Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went unto Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days, but other of the apostles saw I none, save James the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, therefore, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which he once destroyed. And they glorified God in me. And I want you to look at those last two verses with me real close. They had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. I read the story of a woman who wanted a job really bad. So she put together a resume that she thought would be impressive, but she knew that she needed someone else to take a look at it and help her make sure that she hadn't made any grammatical mistakes, that there weren't any misspellings. And so she took it to her friend who was an English major in college, knew all of that stuff, and her friend took out a pen and circled all of the mistakes every place where she had left out a comma or put in a comma that she didn't need to, every place that she had misspelled. And then she wrote in some notes like, I'm not sure you want to include this in your resume. That may not be a good idea. And is this an accurate depiction of your experience in this area? The lady was super appreciative to her friend, making sure that the resume was going to be in its best possible form before she turned it in. She took it home. She looked at all of the notes and corrections that her friend had made, fixed it on her computer, printed out a fresh copy. Then she went to this office and turned in a resume and felt confident that she was going to get an interview. She came home, and to her horror, she found there on the counter her fresh copy of the resume. Somehow she had managed to turn in the copy that her friend had corrected. And she turned in a resume, not only with mistakes on it, but every mistake circled and highlighted. You don't want to turn in a resume that highlights all of your mistakes. But that's what she had done. And when Paul talks to them about who he is in the faith and his credibility in the faith, he tells them, I am an apostle. But he also mentions some things that you wouldn't think you'd put on a resume for an apostle. I persecuted the church. I was more zealous for the traditions of my fathers. You see, when we go over our accomplishments, we go into great detail. When we go over those things that we have achieved, we we expand and we zoom in and we give every detail. We tell people that we graduated which year and if we were summa cum laude and what person we were in our class, if we were number 13 in our class, would we leave off the fact that there were only 15 in our small class? (laughs) So we highlight our accomplishments, but we kind of gloss over our failures and our mistakes. And we say things like, yeah, I made some mistakes when I was younger. And then that little statement is 15 years of foolish decisions. We highlight the things that are good and we downplay the things that are bad. And in our culture today, we have more tools at our disposal to do this than ever before. We have filters so that we can make our selfies look better. And we've gotten to the point that we don't even really expect anybody to look like their picture online. 
We highlight the good, downplay the bad. But when Paul writes to them, he is defending his title as an apostle because people have questioned his credibility. So Paul is letting them know that he is the real deal. But he's being honest. We try to highlight our strengths and hide our mistakes, but Paul is upfront about who he is. Did you notice that, that verse 22 says, I was unknown by face under the churches? Because I, I came back to these churches and they didn't know who I was, but they had heard that I persecuted the church and now they glorified God in me. In verse 13, he says, you have heard. He talks about when he was with the Galatians that they have heard. Paul had been a different guy in his earlier life. He had made some big mistakes. He'd done some things that he wasn't proud of. And now when he comes back years later, people don't recognize him as that guy. And to some of you, that probably sounds really attractive, right? There are people who, they move to a new city to get a fresh start because they're tired of the reputation that they've built in this city. They go to a new place of employment because they're tired of all the drama that they started at their current place of employment. Paul wasn't proud of the things that he had done in his former life. And when he shows up at these churches, they don't recognize him. But yet they glorify God because of the difference that had been made in him. Why? Because Paul told them about what he had done and who he was. Paul told them about the change that had happened in him. Paul told them about the regrets that he had. Paul had regrets. Now, he didn't tell them because he didn't care. He regretted the things that he did. He would make that very clear. Now, we have in our, our world and our culture today this idea of no regrets. I've seen that as a tattoo. Misspelled. No regrets. No regrets. Pastor, I don't have any regrets because the things that I did back then made me into the person that I am today. You, know, you can regret the bad decisions that you made back then and still be thankful for the lessons you learned from them. You can regret the things you did that were wrong and be thankful that God showed you grace and let you live through it. Paul wasn't proud of the things that he was done. He wasn't proud of the things that he had done. He wasn't proud of the person that he had been. But he was thankful for the difference that God made in him. Do you see this key distinction here? The people glorified God in Paul because who he was was different than who he is. There had been this incredible change in him. Now, it wouldn't have been as exciting if Paul was still that guy. Right? It was exciting, and there was reason to get excited and give God praise and thanks because Paul had been transformed. He had been someone who persecuted the church, and now he was someone who preached in the church. He'd been someone who was forcing the church out of Jerusalem, and now he comes back to Jerusalem to serve in the church. That is a major turnaround story. And there was reason to give God glory because God had made a difference in him. We are a church that we welcome everyone. We welcome you to come as you are. We believe that God loves you just like you are. But we also hope that you leave different. That you leave with Christ's hope in your heart. 
that you leave with His gospel change in your life. We believe that God loves you just like you are and that He loves you too much to leave you that way. That He wants to make a difference in your life. That He wants to bring hope and peace into your heart. There was reason to get excited. They glorified God because Paul had been transformed. He was a new man. I said, Pastor Dan, you should, you should welcome everyone. We do. But if that's, where, if that's where it ends, that's not really something to get that excited about, right? We get excited when there's help and healing and hope. You know, people don't get all excited about John Hopkins' hospital because they accept sick people. They get excited because they heal sick people. Now, it would be wrong if they said, listen, we're only taking healthy people here because that's going to make our stats look better. Everybody who leaves here is healthy because everybody who came in here is healthy. No, they're a hospital. They need to welcome those that are hurt and broken and sick and even dying. But just welcoming in the sick is there's nothing to get excited about, right? How many of you have ever waited a really long time in the lobby of an emergency room? Nothing really exciting about that. They welcomed you in, but you haven't gotten any help yet. Not a whole lot of benefit in that. Benefit is when you see the doctor and you get an x-ray, or you get a cast, or you get some medicine. Or they pull the thing out of your kid's nose, right? When there's, when there's some help. And Paul says, this is who I was, but that's not who I am anymore. And they glorify God because of what had happened in him. Paul didn't hide his past when he preached. And even when he was making a great case for his credibility, he didn't hide his mistakes. He was honest about who he had been, the things he had done. Paul had all the credentials of an apostle, but more importantly, what he shows us here is he has credibility. And Paul had plenty of accomplishments as a servant of the Lord, but what he shows us here is more importantly, he had authenticity. He was real. He was honest about who he was. The book of Acts serves as a companion to all of these letters in the New Testament. In Acts, we have this history of all the things that Paul and his ministry partners did. In Acts 13 and 14, we read about Paul and Barnabas going through this region and planting churches. In Acts, we have the story of Paul being someone who persecuted the church, watched as Stephen was stoned to death. And that sounds as awful as it is. People picked up rocks and threw them at Stephen because he was a preacher of the gospel. He watched that happen, held their coats so that they could get their arms free and really wind up. He was there when it happened. Acts tells us about that, and then it tells us about Paul meeting Jesus and his life being changed. And we have the story in Acts. But you know what we also we have? We have four other occasions where Paul is preaching and he tells the story of how he was changed and the things that he had done. Four different times in the book of Acts, in addition to the actual occurrence, Paul tells people, I was a mess and Jesus changed me. And what he says here in this passage in verse 13 is, you know the story of my past, Galatians, because I told you. And you know the difference that God has made in me. 
Paul didn't look at his new calling in the church as an opportunity to distance himself from the guy that he was. He viewed his calling in the church to glorify the difference that God had made in him. You see, it wasn't about Paul's reputation. It was about God's restoration in his life. Paul's not writing to defend his rep. He's not saying, hey, I hear people are disrespecting me and I want to set the record straight. He's saying, God made a change in me. And that's the reason that they glorified God. They didn't glorify Paul. They glorified God. Paul wasn't trying to impress anyone. He wasn't interviewing for a new job. That's the reason that he could mix up his resume and his rap sheet. Because he was just telling the truth about who he was. He was just sharing what God had done in his life. Paul said, I'm not on trial. And I'm not trying to impress you. But let me tell you what God has done. Paul's enemies, his haters, they wanted to see credentials. They wanted to see degrees on the wall, signatures from the right people. Paul's critics say, listen, this guy is a mess. And you know what Paul says? You're right. I am. They say, listen, Paul, he he was that guy who did all those horrible things. And Paul says, yeah, that's what I've been trying to tell him. He's disagreeing with the fact that they're tearing down the gospel, but he's agreeing with what they're saying about him, that he is not perfect. You see, Paul wasn't standing up for himself. He was standing up for the gospel. Paul's mission wasn't to lift himself up in Galatia. Paul's mission was to lift the gospel up in Galatia. Paul and Barnabas, they they go on this, this missionary journey and There are plenty of places that they can go, but they feel compelled to go up into this mountainous region. It would have been a five or six day walk. They would have gone up about three to four thousand feet in elevation over that period. It wasn't a walk in the park. It was a walk up and down steep places in sandy, rocky soil up to get to these remote places where there were people that hadn't heard the gospel. Paul didn't go up into those places to tell them about himself. He went into those places to tell them about Jesus and what he had done. That was Paul's mission. That's what it was about. And God help us if our mission is any different. God help us if our church is any different. Our mission is not to lift us up. If this morning is about lifting me up, what a waste of time. But if we're lifting up God, if that's the mission, to proclaim Jesus, then that's something worth climbing into the mountains for. That's something worth walking five or six days' journey up into a rural region. Why did Paul make this long trek up into the mountains? To tell people about Jesus. That's why. And so at the very beginning of this book, when Paul addresses it to the Galatians, he says, Grace and peace unto you through God and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. What was the purpose? The purpose was grace and peace. 
What Paul talks about in the very opening lines of this letter is the same thing that was on his heart when he walked up there years before. Grace and peace. And that's what I want for you today. Grace and peace. You know what grace is? Grace is not getting what you deserve. Now, at first that sounds, well, hey, I want what I deserve. You, you really don't. Have you ever been going a little too fast and you see some red and blue lights behind you? And in that moment, you don't want justice. You don't want what you deserve. You want grace. You want what you don't deserve. And when that person, that cop flies by you and pulls the person in front of you, you say, oh, I'm glad he got that guy. He was going a lot faster than me. <laughs> We're a fan of justice when it's not coming down on us. Grace is not getting what we deserve. And what Scripture makes it clear that we deserve in punishment for our sins is an eternity separated from God. Grace is not getting that judgment that we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. What we don't deserve is what God offers us freely because His Son took the penalty for us on the cross. That's the reason He says God through God and His Son, Jesus Christ, who took our sins upon the cross. Grace and peace. You know what peace is? We think of peace, we think of it as two countries that are getting along. But peace is more than that. When Scripture talks about peace, it means a calmness in our heart, even when the world around us is chaotic. Even when everything around us is raging and stormy, even when there are all these things that we don't have control over, but we want control over, God grants us this peace within. You know, my day hasn't gone like I expected it to. My, my week, my summer, my year hasn't gone like I expected it to. My life hasn't gone like I expected it to. How about yours? There's been a lot of stuff that's out of my control. But you know what God grants me in the middle of this life that is out of control? In the middle of this day that's not going as I expected? He grants me peace. And I can take a moment like we did earlier in the service and say, God, help me just to rely on you in this moment. And he grants me this peace. That's what Paul wanted for those people up in the mountains. That's the reason that he walked up there. That's the reason that he wrote this letter. It's for them to have the peace and grace that is available through Jesus. So Paul doesn't write them to set the record straight on who he is. Paul writes them so that they might experience grace and peace. He says here so that we might be saved from this present age. You know what I've noticed? The world's getting more chaotic. Have you noticed that? That there is constantly some new thing to be terrified of. Some new thing that can bring it all crashing down. And as we get older, we notice these things more and more, and we become more and more aware of our own frailty and weakness. But in the middle of that, God gives us peace and grace, and saves us from this present age. That's the reason that Paul walked into the mountains. That's the reason that he wrote this letter. And that's the reason we're here this morning. That's the reason that we invited you. Because we want you to have the same grace and peace that Jesus offered us. 
We want you to know Him. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer.